Hey everyone, it's your host Matt Gentile and you're listening to the Rebuild a Bull podcast. I want to wish everybody here in the States a happy Memorial Day. I hope you're trying to at least enjoy your your time this weekend and enjoy the extended holiday. Um, You know, times are very strange. It's it's weird. It's not really an ordinary Memorial Day weekend, but it's something. At least it's, you know, some time to just kind of unwind and, and decompress a little bit with everything going on. Um, just to give you guys some some personal news, you've probably noticed I haven't dropped a lot of episodes lately. Um, within the last, geez, like six weeks, uh, I had closed on a house and I finally moved in. It, it took a while to get things settled. You know, usually, I think when you when you look at the handbook for moving, you, you don't want to typically move during a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> that's it's usually not the route you want to go, but. Um, everything turned out okay, and, and I'm settled here in the in suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, very very happy to be in in my new home. Um, everything's come together very nicely. So uh, I hope actually it helps with with creating more podcasts too, because once I do have my my home office kind of ready to go here, I'm hoping to pump out some more more bulls content here and, and do some more podcasts. So. Really looking forward to it. Really happy to be in the in in the new house here. Um, wanted to actually do something very quickly today. Just do a brief podcast. Um, you know, given everything with the last dance and and giving my thoughts just on on how this is, could affect the, the current state of the team. So I guess with the with the last dance to, to start with that, um, very compelling. You know, I had uh, Rob Schaefer on from NBC Sports Chicago on our last episode, and we talked about. At that point, I think it was the first four episodes of The Last Dance. And overall, I thought it was fantastic. You know, if you're a Bulls fan from the Chicago area, you, you remember sports radio back in 1997, 1998. And most of, of those people that, that grew up around that time or, or lived through that, read the stories back in the day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Jack Silverstein. I know that you you have the wealth of Bulls knowledge. Um, you know, people like that, you know, they, they know some of the, the backstories. They know a lot of the, the reasons that this team broke up, the egos that got in the way on both ends. One thing I really liked about the documentary is getting to hear the perspectives of each player. And I said that on our last episode. But getting the insight from Michael, Scotty, Dennis, um, Phil, even Steve Kerr, I thought, you know, tying his backstory and way that he sort of emerged within the league and, and became a key player on this, you know, on the Bulls' second three-peat, I thought it was really cool to see that too. Um, but to hear their perspectives and hear the personal stories and personal issues that they dealt with. Um, you know, I actually really liked the, and it, it was a very brief mention of the 1.8 seconds with Scotty Pippen, but the documentary I thought was great in that it showed Scotty's teammates sort of having his back and understanding it was just a, one of those brain fart moments and how they rallied around him because they loved him. You know, he was this unselfish teammate and he had one selfish moment that, that haunts him still to this day. And it was interesting to see that. It was interesting then to hear Scotty say that if he would could do it all over again, he would. 
It was very interesting to, to get that from him. And then from Michael, you know, hearing about how he looks at what it's like to be a teammate and how he understands that he was not a friendly guy, that he was the type of guy that pushed people and hearing why he felt that way. And, you know, have seeing that heartfelt moment where he broke down to tears over the fact that, you know, he was a passionate player and, and if guys didn't want to play that way, fine. And how it, it hurt him when guys didn't want to play as hard as he did. And you heard how he seriously motivated himself and worked his ass off to be the best, to be a championship caliber player. So, yes, I really love the raw emotion from most of the people that were interviewed for this documentary. Michael, Scotty, Phil, um, even Dennis, Steve Kerr. I just thought it was is fantastic. And I do know that some people didn't like the fact that it jumped sort of back and forth and back and forth. You know, you go from the 97-98 season and then you would jump back in time. You know, in the first few episodes it was going... You know, far back to the 1980s with Michael's rookie season and Scotty's early years and and then sort of, you know, eventually it, it converged. But I actually really enjoyed that. I, I think as Bulls fans, we, we can kind of follow along maybe for the younger audience and those not as familiar with the Bulls. It might have been a little more challenging. And I, I noticed that uh, some people on Twitter and, and different platforms were commenting on that. But for me, I thought it was pretty easy to follow along with and I thought it was a, a fantastic presentation um, that just showed the overall impact of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, but also, you know, focusing really on that last season where everything, you know, was capped off. Now, what's also interesting, and it kind of ties into the Bulls right now, was hearing Michael Jordan talk about if he would have come back for a seventh championship, you know, to, to, to go after number seven in 1999 and he basically told you he would have that really all it would have taken was some type of mending of the fences with Phil would have done that and it's very far-fetched but it seemed like he really still this day feels like he had more in the tank and man it's like I think as a Bulls fan it kind of got us all sort of upset I know I felt that way I was like damn like Michael really still felt like he was prime and ready to play, you know? Now, he talked about in the documentary, it's very interesting, the NBA entertainment crew, the the behind-the-scenes camera crew from 98, they captured a moment where Michael was on his couch in his hotel room, and he, he was sort of hinting that he felt that burnout similar to, to 1993. He just wanted to, to escape and have that private life. So that was interesting. Like, he, he was starting to feel that burnout, but he said in that last episode that, you know, he felt he still could play and wanted to at least have the chance to defend that the last championship and go for number seven. And, you know, if he had been knocked off, maybe that would have been it. But he wanted the chance to defend their title after the sixth championship. And I know, like I said, it got me sort of upset and I, you know, I noticed a lot of Bulls fans did too. I mean, if you followed it on Twitter, you listened to Chicago Sports Radio this past week, fans are thinking about that. Fans are getting sort of upset over this. And especially when they showed Jerry Reinsdorf explaining the breakup 
you know, saying that he tried to get Phil back, but Phil wasn't interested in coaching a rebuilding team. And Jerry's reasoning for that was, well, the reason we would have been in a rebuild mode was that Phil didn't want to come back and, you know, didn't want to come back to a team that might have been depleted. The reason that he thought it would be depleted was Scotty was at an impasse with his contract. You had Michael at an older age, you know, still could have played at a high level. The other thing that was brought up was was Dennis Rodman. You know, he was at his advanced age, and really they thought that, you know, he wasn't primed to come back in 99. Steve Kerr and, and Luke Longley and those guys would make way too much money on the open market and that it would be impossible to bring them back and, you know, bring back Michael and Scotty and Rodman, that it would have cost too much. So that was sort of the the excuse that Jerry Reinsdorf brought up, and you saw Michael's reaction to it, and he was not pleased with it. But what I think is very interesting is we look at how this documentary highlighted a, a lingering issue that's been existing with the Chicago Bulls for a while. And it still sort of exists to this day, even as there's this shift within the front office. Now, you could look at it and ask, does it hurt the perception of the Chicago Bulls with, I'm not even saying fans, but with current players in the league and you know agents in the league? We know that there's been sort of an icy view of the Bulls among star players and the agents of those players. I mean, we know that. I mean, we go back to the summer of 2010, Dwayne Wade brought it up, and it sort of became this weird shadow over that whole pursuit of these top free agents that summer. And they never got one of the top free agents that summer. And they end up with Carlos Boozer. And it's sort of been this underlying story every time free agency comes around, especially one that has a lot of star-studded players. So did this documentary just continue to foster that belief? And, and the answer quite simply is yes, it did. The documentary did prove this point that a lot of Bulls fans like myself have made uh, sort of about the, the state of the Chicago Bulls, but it doesn't necessarily hurt things going forward. And that kind of takes us to the current state of the team. You might think I'm crazy here. Like, how could it help seeing the owner of the Bulls talk about why he sided with Jerry Krause and allow a Hall of Fame coach to leave, which caused a ripple effect that made the greatest player of all time not come back and defend the Bulls championship? How could the documentary really help the Bulls moving forward? Well, it might just show that after 22 years, they finally might have learned their lesson and course corrected to help change this very hard stigma that they've had trouble shaking. The Bulls are in a very interesting position right now. And with Arturis Karnaschovas coming on board as executive VP and Mark Eversley as a GM, there's a real opportunity to change the narrative of the Chicago Bulls. There's an opportunity to build a new culture here. And we've talked about that. You know, player development is key. And I feel like there's a concerted effort to really see that through consistently, probably more than we've ever seen before. You know, I think we're going to see a beefed-up scouting department, a beefed-up analytics department. We know that changes have been made already to the, the medical staff. And I think that 
is telling that they're they're really trying to bring this front office into the 21st century and there's an opportunity for the bulls really to become an attractive destination and create this different narrative that's out there and to really become a franchise that is a model organization you know we're starting to see it, it we're not going to know if it bears fruit until it actually happens right until we actually see the plan through we're not going to know we can guess though and knowing where Arturis Karnaschovas comes from you know he, he comes from Houston he's originally from the the Daryl Morey tree and what he did in Denver um, we know that those are very united collaborative front offices there's not a lot of backstabbing going on there and it seems like the Bulls MO since the 90s and going into the present day has been a, a backstabbing sort of undermining culture right like you can even go back before the 90s I mean it starts probably with, with the moment that Doug Collins is let go because Jerry Krause is adamant about the triangle and looks at Phil as a predecessor and is trying every way to make sure that Phil gets that job and sort of plays this weird kind of game where he he's grooming Phil at the same time that Doug is is an, an ascending coach in the league he's like playing both sides and eventually when he feels like Phil's ready he lets Doug go and you know Doug had brought that team to an Eastern Conference Finals in 1989 and then I mean we saw in the documentary all the other scenarios that play out where you, you sort of see this this pattern and it carried over into the Garpax era too we know with Thibs with you know the plants that Gar Foreman had throughout the organization, all these things. And I think though with this new setup, I think you, you're starting to see that they're trying to build a very joined organization and a buttoned up organization where the philosophies align. Sure, they're challenging each other, they're pushing each other, but the philosophies align. And we've heard a lot about that. Now again, that could be lip service, but given the track record of where AK comes from, I'm willing to give him that benefit of the doubt. I do think there's something to that. And the same with Mark Eversley. The Eversley hire is very telling. We talked about that on a previous podcast. Again, the one with Rob Schaefer, the last episode that I had. That's a hire that to me means a lot more even than than Karnaschovas. Because Eversley has a reputation around the league of being a very you know, friendly and engaging person with players around the league. Somebody that really takes players' interests to heart. And that is something that is very much needed in the Chicago Bulls organization. So they're at a point where they could be a sleeping giant. I'm going to use an analogy, actually, and this will resonate with a lot of Chicago sports fans. The Chicago Blackhawks, the the hockey team here, for for those of you not, not from Chicago and and not big hockey fans. Um, you know, many years ago, their owner, Bill Wirtz, was not the the best guy, okay? He was a cheap owner. The Blackhawks never really spent money. They blacked out home games. So if you lived in Chicago, you could not watch a game that was airing from Chicago Stadium or the United Center. And 
you know, they just, they had this bad reputation around the league. They played an old style of hockey, but it just, it, it was not pretty. Fans over time stopped going to the games. The product was terrible. And I remember ESPN in 2006, ESPN said the Chicago Blackhawks were the worst run organization in professional sports. Not even a year later, Bill Wirtz passed away. The owner passed away. And his son Rocky took over. At the time, they had a GM, Dale Talon, and assistant GM, Stan Bowman. And what Rocky did was Rocky brought in John McDonough, who was running the Chicago Cubs baseball team in town. And McDonough came in and changed the organization. He saw that they were run like a team still set in the 1950s. You know, they, they didn't have a big front office. And what he did was he brought in Stan Bowman's father, Scotty. And Scotty's a successful hockey coach. Like one of the, he's the winningest hockey coach of all time, built successful Stanley Cup winning franchises in the NHL. And really Scotty helped reshape the organization with John McDonough. And they've become a you know a, really a model franchise in the NHL. They ended up winning three Stanley Cups. You know they had drafted a lot of really good players even before that, but they hadn't really changed the culture. And you know all the moves they made, they beefed up their scouting department. They really poured into the business end of of the operations too. But they made a major hire in bringing in a legitimate hockey coach in Joel Quinville. And it changed everything. And I feel like the Chicago Bulls are sort of doing the same thing. Now, look, I, I'm not saying Jerry Reinsdorf has to kick the bucket. Not at all. But it is interesting. Michael has sort of become the, the face of ownership. And I think part of that can help. So with Michael sort of as that new face of ownership and him making these new moves bringing in Karnaschovas, Karnaschovas reshaping the front office, bringing in Eversley and, you know, J.J. Polk and, um, you know, a couple other guys to, to be part of that front office. I think that's changing the culture. And then who's that next head coach going to be? Because I think we know it's coming. You know, it, a lot of things are in flux because the 2020 season's on hold and we're not sure if it's going to end or not. But at some point, whether it's when the 2020 season resumes or we get into the off season, I think we know that Jim Boylan isn't long for the road and that a new coach will be here. And I think that's going to be very telling because it's part of their player development strategy. That, I think, could be a very major move with the front office that's in place because there are some interesting pieces here. We've talked about the core four a lot. It's Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White. Now, each of them individually have some compelling parts of their game that make them attractive players around the league. But we really don't know how they play together. You know, we haven't really seen them play cohesively and gel as a unit. So how can those four eventually play cohesively and I think that is where player development is going to matter so whoever's the next head coach they bring in and how it fits into the player development strategy that the front office puts in 
it's going to help us evaluate Levine, Markkinen, Carter, and White together. And you'll know which pieces fit and which ones don't. It's that simple. You'll be able to evaluate off that observation. And having a set player development strategy helps you do that. You know, knowing the type of play you want, the style of game you want, and how you need to make sure each of those players develops within that system you you run is really important to young player development. And I think we never got that consistency from Bulls management. It was almost like, yeah, we want to be this, you know, younger athletic team, but, you know, we have some pieces that like to slow it down the half court or like to isolate a little bit more. Um, You know, it seemed like the style that the Bulls were playing in terms of, of pace was inconsistent from time to time. So just making sure that all of that's on the same page is crucial to where this is going on the court. And with a good organizational structure that has that strategy in place and has a coach in place to run it, that can only help. So how does this all tie into the last dance? What we saw at the end of that documentary is something that, as I alluded to earlier, has been haunting the Chicago Bulls the last 22 years. And it's that the way it ended left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, and especially players and player agents, that the Bulls don't take care of their own. Now, you can cite a, a few cases, and they've been public, and you can go look them up, that you know Jerry Reinsdorf has made efforts to try and mend fences with a lot of players or just even bring them back in the fold somehow within the organization to give them paying jobs and, and make them ambassadors with the team. But still, the fact that Michael Jordan left on the terms that he did and that you know you see within the last dance that he wanted to come back for one more crack at a championship, um, you know, I, I think could rub people the wrong way. And I think it has rubbed people the wrong way for a long time that you know Michael didn't somehow stay close to the organization. However, the Bulls have a, a very golden opportunity staring them in the face right now. And that's with a restructured front office and a new face of ownership in Michael Reinsdorf. And they have this opportunity now to create a new culture and create a new perception around the NBA. And that's all you can ask for. And I think that's what us Bulls fans were asking for for a while now is, you know, how can we change the way players around the league, especially those star players, view the Chicago Bulls? And with the new setup it's very possible that that can help and that players can look and say, you know what, the Chicago Bulls, they were sort of in this this rough spot. They were a destination that I really didn't care to go to because I know, you know, how they treated Michael and how that all happened. And, you know, I saw that in the last dance too. But you know what? I kind of like that they have this new voice, leading the charge and they have this GM that you know I can relate to and who a lot of players around the league a lot of my peers like around the league and you know this new coach they have is a really solid head coach and you know I know 
Jerry Reinsdorf was kind of prickly, but his son seems like a really good guy. So the Bulls have a really good opportunity here to present that. And I think the next season, you know, again, everything's so fluid right now and things are in flux, but when the 2021 season comes, it's going to be very interesting, Bulls fans, because because you have to wonder, if they have the right coach in place and you see these talented pieces on the roster and that new coach gets them to play together, gets them to mold on the same page, or at least you know which players do gel together, you might have something here. You might be knocking on the door of a playoff berth in the 2021 season, or maybe even getting into the playoffs as, you know, anywhere from that five to eighth seed. And, you know, go back to to 2018-19 when the Brooklyn Nets built something where they were a very competitive team and they made it into the playoffs as a very competitive team that was young and ascending. It got a lot of attention around the league. You know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant looked their way. They got, you know, arguably two of the bigger free agents that summer, in the summer 2019. And, you know, that's saying something. If you can build a solid organizational structure, because Brooklyn built that. Now, it, it theirs took some time. But one thing that I do think is, is very interesting with the Bulls situation is that there are some intriguing young pieces available. So it might be a little bit quicker to do this. And I think with the summer that's coming up, the summer of 2021 has very attractive free agents in it. I've mentioned it before. There's a chance that Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the I think maybe the biggest fish in the class given his age, and you know LeBron James too is a free agent. There's some other names too, but those names are very compelling pieces that if you see this unit gelling, could put the Bulls over the top into title contention. And I think... That's what's got me excited. And there's potential with this front office, with this setup right now that the Chicago Bulls are are trying to accomplish that they might be able to not only get that meeting with a free agent, but maybe they can actually land the big fish with the way that they're building this. With a person leading the charge that understands a collaborative and cohesive front office in Arturis Karnaschovas, and a general manager that makes an effort to really build relationships with players around the league. That, to me, has got me excited. You know, not to mention, I think they might be able to play the trade market better than they ever have before, because that was one thing that always, I think, frustrated me about you know, Garpax era was that they just weren't aggressive in the trade market, which is where a lot of teams can really change their fortune and create their own luck is through the trade market, whether that's, you know, gathering assets that can help with draft equity or, you know, trying to land that big fish that's put himself on the trade market. But I feel like there's a potential to change the tide. And 
again, we're not going to know until we see it through. But there's a feeling that I have that, you know what, this is a concerted effort to change that mindset. And what we saw in the last dance, you know, it left that that bitter taste. And now, you know, things might get a little sweeter for the Chicago Bulls. Might be a sweeter taste because they've now put that wheel, they've put the wheels in motion to at least change the culture within the organization. And that was so desperately needed. And we saw it in the documentary in The Last Dance that, you know, how it, it wrecked the Bulls, you know, how it, how it put the franchise in a dark spot for the last 22 years because, you know, the, one of the last things we saw in the, the, the copy at the end of the, the documentary when you saw the, you know, text of, of everything that happened once the season ended, you know, Michael retires, Scotty gets traded, Kerr gets traded, Jackson leaves. And then it said in the Chicago Bulls started the rebuild. And I felt like they could have left it with, and they're still rebuilding to this day because they have not gotten to that title contention. But it's very possible with the way things are going now that it might happen, Bulls fans. You know, we, I think we have to be optimistic. You know, I think there's a, a major need not only for optimism in sports, but just in general, clearly. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about where this thing can go because... I do think that the people they've put in place are the best possible people you could put in place of the people available to you in terms of executives. So if they get the coaching hire right and they get the wheels in motion here, whenever this, you know, whenever the 2020 season resumes or the the 2021 off season begins, whichever happens, you know, we'll see if they resume the season. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. I really am. And I think they have a, a golden opportunity in front of them to really bring this whole organization not only to the 21st century, but into title contention. And that's all Bulls fans really want. We want that chance to show that, you know, those those ghosts of Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls don't haunt the franchise forever, that we can finally move on. And that we can finally get back to some level of glory. So I hope to have some more episodes coming here in the near future. Um, I actually want to take a look at some point this summer. I don't know how soon we're going to do this episode, but I wanted to tease this. I do want to look back at 1999. Um, Kind of do something a little nostalgic with the last dance and everything. Um, Look at if Michael Jordan had returned in 1999, um, how different maybe things would have looked going forward. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. I'm I'm looking for some people to bring on for that episode Um, because I think it's actually very interesting. There's a lot of things that were rumored at the time that might be of interest to Bulls fans and might actually change your mind about how the direction the franchise might have completely changed had Michael stayed for a season or two after 1998. So I definitely want to take a dive into that. That'll come maybe within the next few weeks, maybe in the next month. I have to see who we can get on for that one because I, I think this requires some um, you know, bloggers, podcasters, reporters that 
are very familiar with that time period. So more on that to come. Uh, be sure to follow us, of course, on Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. And of course, whether you listen to the Rebuildable podcast frequently, you know, you're a loyal listener, always appreciate it, or you're brand new, welcome. Please follow, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to to subscribe or follow us because that's where you're going to get the latest episodes and you can listen to some some past episodes if you'd like. Especially if you're new, you want to get a feel for how this podcast goes when we got guests on, it'll be a great opportunity for you to do that. So um, again, I always appreciate you taking the time out to listen, especially with things going on right now. And hopefully, I got my fingers crossed that we get some news on what happens here with the NBA uh, shortly because it can get us back to talking about some some bowls. Even if it's, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, but if the season does get canceled maybe it at least gets the wheels in motion for the off season and what's to come in the 2021 season where maybe you know players can feel more secure and, and safe if the season does resume you know we'll see if, if jim boylan is is the coach when that does happen or if they move on so thanks again for listening and we'll be back soon Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.